You're listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. We can only continue with your support. Make a donation at mortificationofspin.org or call 800-488-1888. Welcome to the Mortification of Spin Bully Pulpit. This is the regular concise podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Uh, I'm your host, Carl Truman. I'm a professor of historical theology and church history at Westminster Theological Seminary. And I'm joined by my partner in crime, as always, Todd Pruitt, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. Good to have you with us, Todd. Well, uh, good to uh, to be here, as always, Carl. Now, I just want everybody to know that they may hear a dog bark in the background every once in a while. It's because I'm here in Virginia, and um, we don't really have walls on our houses, and we keep all of our appliances out on the front porch. So, And the dogs just kind of come and go as they please. You sure it isn't some non-cessationist Pentecostal relative <laughs> you've got in the background worshiping uh, in some way? No, no, they're still just doing the laughter. They haven't moved on to the barking yet. Excellent, excellent. Well, I'm sure they'll be sanctified in the long term. <laughs> Any uh, day. Topic for discussion today, a couple of weeks back, uh, Peter Leithart posted what became quite a controversial uh, short post on the First Thoughts blog, where he argued that Protestantism was, was effectively dead. don't want to address uh, all of the issues that Peter raised in that, in that uh, blog post, but I do want to focus on one thing. He, he pointed out that, that Protestantism in general and evangelicalism in particular has often neglected the church fathers. So we thought it would be good today to reflect uh, on the importance of the church fathers for a contemporary conservative Protestant theology. Todd, I wonder if you'd uh, lead off by giving us one example of a church father as being an inspiration, a help, uh, or formative on your own thinking. Sure. You know, I, I can't help but uh, but think about Athanasius. And um, while I am far from a scholar on early church fathers, I, I can say that um, I've done a little bit of reading on Athanasius. I even walked through uh, uh, Dr. Lightheart's uh, helpful but but uh, slow-going um, little book on on Athanasius. But he's a fascinating character to me. And uh, he, of course, was at the forefront of the fight against Arianism, which uh, effectively would have demolished uh, the deity of Christ and Christianity right along with it. And I, I'm not sure if people in our day understand the high drama of those days. Literally, the future of Christianity rested on a diphthong or on a, on a single uh, Greek letter, uh, an iota. Um, homo usias or homo eusias was, was Jesus um, of the same substance of the Father, or was he lesser, a, a similar substance, but a created being? And Athanasius uh, saw uh, the Arian perspective that Jesus was just of a similar substance to the Father, uh, but different. Um, he saw this rightly as what would be the death of Christianity itself. And uh, Athanasius, for quite some time, found himself in the minority on that position and was willing to be exiled and suffer all kinds of, of cruelty and uh, even being against the world. Of course, we know that famous line by Athanasius, contra mundum, uh, if, if the world is against me, then I shall be against the world. And Athanasius was willing to bring down the whole church if he needed to over a single iota. And uh, it, it reminds me, men like Athanasius remind me that, uh, that there's a reason why we don't see any books called great moderates in church history. 
Um, <laughs> and I, I very much appreciate uh, him uh, about that. I, 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 I told you earlier, Carl, I, I thought about Athanasius last evening. I was attending a forum on same-sex marriage, uh, and uh, the two speakers were both clergymen, one a conservative Presbyterian, the other a liberal uh, Episcopalian. Of course, I think I was just redundant there. But um, the, uh, the the Episcopalian who was speaking out in favor of, of homosexual marriage um, said that there have been two great sins in the history of the church. One is heresy, and one is schism. And he said, I would uh, rather uh, have heresy in the church than be guilty of schism. And I thought of Athanasius in that moment, who, again, as I said, was willing to bring down the whole enterprise over that single iota, because on that single iota um, rested Christianity itself. Yeah, and that's a singularly unbiblical comment as well, of course. Exactly. uh, Paul makes it very clear at the end of Romans that the, the the divisive people he's talking about are divisive precisely because... They have departed from the true doctrine. Exactly. So actually, there is no opposition between right. heresy and schism. They are two sides of precisely exactly. the same coin. Heresy, heresy causes schism. So would you say that um, Athanasius' little work on the Incarnation might be the best uh, books for listeners to get hold of who've not absolutely. read Athanasius before? A- absolutely. It is not a, a lengthy uh, uh, volume, but it's in the history of the church, I think, probably one of the most important volumes. Yeah, yeah. If I had to choose, I'd go for another ancient church father beginning with A, but probably not Athanasius. I'd, uh, my, my own preference would, would go, uh, would lie in the direction of Augustine. Mm-hmm. Augustine of Hippo, late 4th, early 5th century uh, church leader in what is today North Africa, but what would have been part of the Roman Empire in the ancient world. And Augustine is significant for a variety of reasons. Uh, one of them is that he really lays the foundations for later what we call anti-Pelagian theology. It's Augustine's uh, interpretation of Paul, which I think is a correct, basically a correct interpretation of Paul on the issue of grace and predestination that that ultimately sets up the play for the reformers in the mm. 16th century. B.B. Warfield famously quipped that uh, Augustine, the Reformation was the triumph of Augustine's doctrine of grace mm. over his doctrine of the church, and there's much, uh, much truth in that, uh, in that comment. And my two favorite works by Augustine would be The Confessions and The City of God. Mm-hmm. The Confessions is one of those books, it's not very long, it's maybe two or three hundred pages, get my students to read it uh, every year at Westminster. It's a psychological autobiography in which Augustine really analyzes his primarily pre-conversion experience uh, and looks at the the nature of sin, the nature of fallen human psychology. He sees fallen human beings as divided against themselves. Uh, Sin is an alien force within their lives. We are doomed to be always... Uh, seeking something to love in order to be fulfilled, but as sinners doomed never to find it because we will always uh, end up loving ourselves rather than God, who is ultimately the the the, the only satisfying mm. object of our love. Uh, so I would 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 recommend listeners to to look at the Confessions if you've not read the Confessions before. Extremely acute analysis of human fallen psychology yeah a city of god is uh, unfortunately it's a rather massive book it's probably about uh, 900 pages in in english translation 
It was written by Augustine at a key moment in, not only in his own life, but in the, in the history of the Roman Empire. Uh, in, four, in the year 410, Alaric the Goth had sacked Rome, had, had, had attacked and, and wounded the immortal city. It was for the the imperial Roman psychology, the equivalent of 9-11 for the American psychology. The, the, the eternal city had been shown to be vulnerable, and this spread fear and panic throughout the Roman mm. Empire. And what Augustine did was he wrote this, this massive book, which is often seen as a treatise of political theory, but I think was more actually a, a pastoral book, mm. pointing his congregants, pointing the exiles from Rome who are flooding into North Africa, pointing them away from the earthly city and towards the city of God uh, and making the point that earthly empires come and go, but it's the city of God uh, that is the the true eternal city and that has certain uh, promises attached to it. And I think particularly for Christians in Europe or North America at this time, when we're seeing the if not the secularization of society, certainly the de-Christianization of society, Augustine's teaching on the two cities uh, can be a source of, of great pastoral comfort. Absolutely. And um, it's, still, it's still very relevant, and, and it's still to this day affecting and impacting uh, Christian thinking along the lines of the, the, the Christian's relationship to the state. Yeah, yeah. So I'll close before I hand over to you to, to, to finish us off, Todd. I'll just uh, make a, mention a couple of books I'd recommend to yeah. uh, listeners. If you've got children, our friend uh, Simonetta Carr has written two wonderful books uh, on Athanasius and Augustine of Hippo in her Christian Biographies for Young Readers series. Uh, and I'd also like to, to plug uh, a book by Michael Haken, professor at Southern Baptist Seminary. We love Baptists, of course, on Protestantism uh, spin. Uh, Michael wrote a wonderful little book called Rediscovering the Church Fathers, who they were and how they shaped the church. And we've actually got a, a few copies to, to give away. If you go to the website, you can find details of how to enter a draw for a free copy of Michael's book. Uh, what book would you like to recommend, Todd? Uh, you know, there's uh, there's several, but uh, the uh, the first thousand years, um, which came out 2012 or 2011, Carl. Um, that was in uh, or, 2000 and I think it was 2011, but I wouldn't swear to that. Yeah, and uh, it's a wonderful uh, for its subject matter, relatively slim uh, volume, but but. But by but but an excellent excellent treatment of the first thousand years of Christianity, which also does what a lot of volumes of its kind don't, which shows the impact of Islam, um, uh, is as well um, on on the spread and development of of Christianity. But it, it's reader friendly. It, it, a literate layperson could very easily pick up that volume, and and learn a great deal about uh, about the early church. That's great. I think I heard a Pentecostal intervention in the background. <laughs> she, she, she's uh, staring at me. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, oh, you know what? One other book I'd, I'd plug also is, is called A Public Faith by Ivor Davidson. Um, it's in the Baker History of the Church series, which is a wonderful series in my opinion. And, and again, this one is uh, not a very thin volume, but I think very, very reader accessible. It's called A Public Faith, and I think does a great job of of uh, of tracing uh, the church from around AD 300 to about uh, AD 600. It's excellent. Great. 
Yeah. Well, listen, we've uh, we've loved this conversation and hope that you've enjoyed it as well. Uh, Carl and I would both encourage you to learn about the history of Christianity and not just the last 500 years or so, but go all the way back to its earliest days. And I think being armed with the knowledge of men like Augustine and Athanasius, as well as many of the other faithful church fathers, would help insulate us or, or inoculate us, perhaps, against uh, some of the more contemporary snake oil salesmen like Dan Brown, um, who unfortunately is uh, oftentimes looked at as an expert in the early church. Um, so know your church history, know your church fathers, evangelicals. Uh, they, are, they are a part of who we are, and we would be richer to know who they are. Well, we thank you for being a part of us, uh, this, uh, this particular broadcast. It's been wonderful speaking with you, and uh, trust that we will uh, get to uh, talk to you next time. So for Carl Truman, this is Todd Pruitt. Talk to you later. This has been Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. The Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals also publishes Reformation21.org, ChristWordCollective.org, and PlaceForTruth.org. To learn more about the Alliance, visit AllianceNet.org or call 800-488-1888. We can only continue with your support. Make a donation at MortificationOfSpin.org or call 800-488-1888. That's MortificationOfSpin.org or call 800-488-1888. Thanks for listening.